Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. My name is John Manuel. Joined, as usual, on a College Monday by our national writer, Aaron Fitt, who is down in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're not joining you from the DeMarini Demo House podcast. Today we're recording it from my office. But no matter where we record this podcast, we want to remind you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy. Because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right and visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. And Aaron, in the college top 25 this week at baseballamerica.com, very little change at the top of the rankings. Let's touch on those top teams, though, if we could. Virginia remains number one. Another impressive weekend by the Cavaliers, Aaron. Why don't you talk a little bit about LSU, the uh, defending national champions. The Tigers are uh, off to a great start. But they obviously have the Anthony Renato situation going on where they're a number one starter. And one of the biggest reasons they won the national title last year, one of the biggest reasons why they're ranked number two, they're without Anthony Renato. How long are they going to be without Anthony Renato? And who can step forward for them and kind of help fill that void? Well, we don't know yet how long it's going to be. Uh, they said it's, it's a, a stress reaction, I guess, in the arm. Um, and, you know, that could be serious or it, it might not be. I, my guess is he'll be at another week or two. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a concern. I mean, there's no question about it. Without Anthony Renato, um, they're, 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 you know, they're much less impressive, frankly. You, you get that anchor at the top of your rotation. Everything else falls into place after that. Uh, but without that guy, I mean, you know, Austin Ross was eh, okay on Friday, but it's, that's it's not a marquee Friday starter. Um, you know, and, and Joey Bourgeois was not as good in his second start as he was in his first start. LSU has some pitching problems. They really need Renato back. Uh, you know, this guy, Jordan Ritter, the freshman, did come in on, on Sunday and the doubleheader, I guess, uh, and, and pitch pretty well in six innings. He was he was pretty, pretty good, but, uh, you know, he's no Anthony Renato. So that, that's a key question right now facing the Tigers. Yeah, I think it is. I think the SEC, actually, of any league I can think of, has more significant injury or roster questions than anybody else. you got Kentucky obviously losing James Paxton. 
You got Anthony Renato. You got Jackie Bradley Jr. over at South Carolina. Those are some big time. Those are all three. Uh, if we knew there's, I mean, Paxson, I don't think we put him on the all-conference team in the preseason because we weren't sure of his status. But if all three of those guys were in the clear, that's three first-team all-SEC caliber performers who right now are out of the mix. So, And, and of course, you know, Auburn has had some bad injuries, most notably Trent Mummy. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, Tennessee, Cody Hahn was, was hurt last week because of his shoulder. He did, he did come back this week. Uh, I think he was DH, though, so I don't know if he's at 100% yet. But, yeah, the SEC's been hit pretty hard by injuries. Uh, but there's been there's been a lot of, of notable injuries early on. Other all Americans like Ryan Lamar uh, from Michigan got hurt. And I think I'm forgetting somebody else too. There was there was definitely a, there's been a rash of these things. Yeah, we should have the uh, Demarie Demo House training room at Baseball America on the podcast. We should have that section. But elsewhere in the top of the rankings, Aaron, very impressive weekend by Texas. Probably as, as impressive a weekend as anyone had. Because they did it the way they should do it, which is they pitched extremely well. They gave up five runs to a Stanford team that last weekend was uh, quite impressive in pounding rice. And then they also pitched very, uh, they, they hit very well this weekend. And basically, uh, you know, like we had in the scouting report on the weekend preview, I say we, I really mean you, uh, you know, that Texas, the scouts told you, don't worry about Texas. They hit the ball pretty well against New Mexico. And they did that against Stanford. So Stanford's young club goes on the road for the first time and gets a little bit of a rude awakening going down to UFCU Dish Falk Field. Yeah, Texas won those games the way they're going to win most of their games this year. Excuse me. They, uh, you know, they, they pitched and they played defense. and I mean, they're not going to win a lot of 18 to, to 5 games. That's just not how they're built. They're going to win 6 to 3 and, you know, 5 to 2. And, uh, and that's what they did this weekend. They, they, they held Stanford in check. Um, this team should lead the nation in run prevention. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty safe bet, frankly. It's the envy of Theo Epstein, the Texas Longhorns. <laughs> there you go. There's a rumor that Theo Epstein was, was spotted down here at, uh, at the Big East Big Ten Classic this weekend, although I did not see him myself. But, did, uh, did you see anyone in a gorilla suit? <laughs> well played. That's an old joke, oh, but a good one. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, Stanford, you know, uh, great opening weekend, but going on the road with a young team against the you know the preseason number one is a much different deal. And you know we obviously cut Stanford a little bit of a break, left him in the rankings after getting swept this weekend on the strength of that that strong first opening weekend. First of all, and just you know we respect teams that play good competition early, especially if they if they do okay against that competition. So three and three against Rice in Texas ain't bad. Yeah, last week also I talked to a scout who saw. Um he saw Stanford uh, in that opening weekend series, and he was, I think if you saw them that weekend, you were going to be impressed. I mean, that's really not saying much. But he really did confirm a lot of what we talked about on last week's podcast about their athletic ability. And uh, this is going to be a good team this year. They're going to have their ups and downs because they are young. You know, most of the talent on this team is freshmen and sophomores. But uh, but they, they have some exciting talent. Uh, 2011 might be a big year for the Cardinal. Uh, we have three new teams in the top ten this week, Aaron. Uh, Texas Christian coming up uh, to number seven after winning a series at Cal State Fullerton. Coastal Carolina jumping up to number eight, probably the highest ranking in Chanticleer history. Uh, with their weekend, a very strong week for the Chanticleers with two victories against UC Irvine. And Louisville jumping up to number ten. Let's, uh, wh- which of those three teams had the biggest week for you? Which one do you want to start talking about first? Uh, going on the road and taking two out of three at, at Fullerton for the second straight year, uh, that's not easy, you know. And, and clearly the Titans are not 
themselves yet. I don't think they've hit their stride. They will. Uh, they're going to be better. They're going to be, uh, you know, I still believe they're an Omaha team at the end of the year when it's all said and done. But right now, uh, they're scuffling to score some runs. They really didn't hit this weekend. And, and part of that is a testament to TCU's pitching staff. You know, we knew the Horn Frogs were going to have uh, an elite pitching staff. And that's what they've got. You know, even with Matt Perk uh, not yet settling in, um, he, did, he did pitch very well in the middle game of that series. But uh, even without him, they've just got so many arms, John, and especially in the bullpen. They, they were able to shut down Fullerton uh, in the bullpen all weekend. And um, that's why we like this team so much coming into the year is the pitching depth, um, all those options that they have. And, and, you know, they've been hitting pretty well. They've gotten good contributions from their, their freshmen. Uh, Jake Elander continues to hit pretty well. Um, and Jason Coates, the, the sophomore, had a really big weekend. So I think they really were hoping for Coates and Taylor Featherston to step in and, and fill the shoes of some of their departed guys in the global lineup. It's so far so good. Yeah, that's really the, the thing with TCU is it's not a team. I mean, I guess the most recognizable player, the big star on the team, kind of is Matt Perk. And yet, and the thing is, outside of him, though, picking a second-best player on that team, that's almost a fool's errand. I mean, they've got like 10 second-best players on that team. And that's that's what makes TCU, you know, a, a top-10 team. It really isn't a big talent drop-off. Anywhere else on the team or the rest of that team, they have athletes. They have guys up the middle. Uh, they're just, you know, there's some there's some middle of the lineup muscle. Uh, they've got guys who used to be Friday starters who are now in the bullpen, and or you know, they they really do have a lot of different options. Whereas Coastal Carolina, it sounds like it's a pretty deep team too. But Aaron, they've got stars, and so far so good with their stars performing. I think the biggest news for me out of out of Coastal is that, well, Anthony Mayo hasn't pitched great so far this year. Boy, uh, Cody Wheeler go head-to-head with Daniel Babona and to win that game. I mean, that, uh, there are not that many pitchers who can do that, go head-to-head with another team's All-America-type guy, and uh, and they did that. They, they threw out their own guy in Cody Wheeler, and that's one of the things that makes Coastal Carolina so difficult. Yeah, you're right. The star power is a big factor for Coastal Carolina with, with Cody Wheeler uh, Scott Woodward bounced back this weekend a little bit after a rough weekend, uh, uh, you know, last week. But um, also, I mean, you know, you talk about pitching depth. You know, Postal has got a guy that people forget about, Jim Birmingham, uh, this junior left-hander. He's picked up two wins this weekend, beat NC State and Wake Forest. Um, this week, I should say, not this weekend. Um, this guy was a transfer from an Ivy League school, I want to say Penn, a couple of years ago when they went to regionals. Um, and he had a really good freshman year there, and, you know, this is the guy can, can really locate. Uh, that's a nice nice piece to have, an often overlooked piece for Coastal. So, um, you know, I, I like their team a lot. You know, I've been saying it, obviously. I mean, ranked 12 in the preseason, um, and uh, it's, a, it's a great weekend. It is a big weekend. Like there was decent crowds down there as well, according to our own Jim Schonard. And although we did not rank that team this weekend, NC State had a big weekend. They got the loss against Coastal in the finale, but NC State beats James Madison and beats UC Irvine. Um, and Russell Wilson's a really interesting story to watch there. He's NC State's quarterback, and he was an all-ACC performer, I think, the last two seasons. And this weekend he had a walk-off home run on Friday, and then he saved the game out of the bullpen on Saturday. Uh, he's pitching this year, which is uh, – I-, I did not know he was a pitcher at all. And uh, NC State's got some pitching injuries, so that's a, a good weekend. NC State – I don't think we think they're a top 25 team yet. It's really hard to judge their first weekend. They annihilated LaSalle. With, uh, they scored 17 runs in the first two innings of the season. Uh, but NC State's a good sleeper team to watch. From the middle of that ACC pack, um, you know, we talked about how they're like 
And the ACC has a chance to get seven regional teams this year, maybe an outside shot at eight for the first time ever. And NC State's generally thought of as the back of that conversation, but but it's a team to watch. Uh, that, that that's a that's a you know that's a club that went to super regionals two years ago, and they do have some some interesting pieces. Jake Buchanan on Fridays, a, a good veteran starter, was very good in the Cape last year, so that's an interesting team to watch. Meanwhile, Irvine Aaron really struggled at the baseball at the beach. They did score runs, um, which I think again that's kind of the underrated part of Irvine's season. Let's talk about those Big West teams, Irvine and Fullerton. What's the, what's the deal with the Titans? I watched a video that the Titans produced with Dave Serrano talking, and it sounds like they're just not executing right now to the level that they need or that they expect of themselves or that everyone else has come to expect of the, of the Titans. You know, the thing about Fullerton and the thing that's different about Fullerton as, as compared with Irvine is uh, they've got a lot of new faces that they're trying to break in in the lineup. I remember they had a bunch of seniors on that team last year. Uh, I think they lost six starters from last year's Omaha team. So for them, I think it's a matter of finding the right combination of guys. Um, you know, they've got some freshmen that they're playing. I mean, we've seen the, you know, uh, Orloff, uh, uh, Matt Orloff at second base. Um, we've seen Austin Kingsolver in the, in the outfield to have a new face. Great name, uh, Austin Kingsolver. It is a great name. So we, we've seen a, a lot of different lineups early. I think Dave Serrano's trying to figure out what he's got, whereas Irvine knows what it's got. I mean, it's, it's a very experienced veteran lineup. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to play defense, and they're going to hit okay, and they're going to pitch too. I mean, this weekend, uh, they, just, they just didn't have it. You know, it, it, was a, it was a bad weekend. I guess you could have one of those once every, you know, 20 weeks or so if you're Irvine. But, right. Uh, yeah, you go across the country and you play good competition, you're not always going to win the weekend. I think that's what it comes down to, not worried about Irvine at all. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Uh, even more vexing is that Fullerton losing two straight, two weekends, both of them at home. Not a great sign initially uh, for the Titans, but I think we all expect them to, to get their act together. But we did drop them in the poll pretty significantly this week. They went down 10 spots, and that's a little cumulative effect of losing two series, two weekends again at home. Meanwhile, East Carolina, a team that's already had a, a very, probably the most volatile team in our rankings so far this year, Aaron, is the Pirates. And they've played back-to-back top 10 teams at home. They played Virginia at home, the number one team, lost that series. And they play South Carolina at home. They won that series this weekend. They pitched very well. The Pirates are 14, South Carolina 15 this weekend. I don't think we really learned a whole lot new this weekend, though, did we? Out of either East Carolina or South Carolina, uh, those are both uh, really good teams that are teams I think we both expect to get to Super Regionals and that they're going to have to probably get a break or two to get to Omaha and win a Super Regional. Uh, and you learn anything about either of those uh, Cacalac teams this weekend? Yeah, not really. I mean, I think those teams were, were pretty evenly matched. And remember in the preseason, uh, East, East Carolina was 18 and South Carolina was 10. I didn't think there was a lot of separation between any of the teams in that part of the ranking. Right. Uh, frankly. So, I mean, you know, if you're playing a home series, you'd expect uh, the home team to win two out of three, generally. It's, it's kind of the, the default position there. And South Carolina almost won the middle game. They had the lead in the ninth inning. So, um, you know, that's about as even as the series can get right there. And that's even without South Carolina having its best player, Jackie Bradley Jr. So, um, you know, I do think South Carolina is the better team overall, uh, but it's very close. And East Carolina won the head-to-head. And, and again, we give the Pirates credit for, for scheduling good competition early. Um, they did hold their own against Virginia last week, number one team in the country. So, you know, it, it seems a little volatile to move them back up eight spots. But um, I, I think that... Most of us felt that uh, you know moving them down four spots last week was was 
I think so. Not a lot of separation between really, uh, to me, 14 or even 13 and 12 and say 28 or 30. There's a lot of, it's, it's very early and not a whole lot of dramatic things going on. We did bring Kentucky and Georgia into the poll at the back. We dropped San Diego, which lost a series of San Diego State, a little bit of a surprise. And then who else did we drop, Aaron? Southern Miss. Southern Miss, that's right, which lost a home series to LeMoyne, which I think people who are longtime listeners or followers of our college baseball coverage realize the respect we have for LeMoyne. That's a good program uh, for a a program up in Syracuse, New York. They really get after it. They grind. A pretty impressive weekend series for them. Uh, I'll tell you, the most impressive thing about that is they beat Todd McGinnis on on Friday, um, best pitcher in Conference USA, and he was good, too. He struck out 10, I think, but uh, uh, Jeff Chardick was better for LeMoyne. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's just impressive for that program and for the Dolphins, so kudos to them. Aaron, for the, to wrap up the podcast, let's talk about the event that you saw in person, uh, the Big East Big Ten Challenge. We have one Big East team ranked in Louisville. We do not have a Big Ten team ranked yet, although I think uh, Ohio State certainly is a top 25 caliber club. Uh, Minnesota was not that good this weekend. Uh, it doesn't seem like uh, from the Big Ten. Uh, we'll just give, I guess I'll just, we'll, I will kick it off with with Louisville. Uh, do they live up to their billing this weekend, or do they even play a little bit better than they were advertised? Yeah, I think if anything, they were even better than advertised. I thought they were impressive in all phases of the game. Um, you know, the thing that really jumped out to me first of all was uh, how good Thomas Royce was on Friday. I mean, that was the, the big question with his team is who was going to be the Friday guy, and I think they've got that answer. I mean, he was really John exceptional. I mean, he's a Great fastball command, so I know you, you're going to like him. He's that kind of guy. I saw the tweet. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's a good tight slider, you know. And, and the other big development, I think, was Neil Holland. I mean, that guy was dynamite uh, twice this weekend. Really just unhittable. He's, uh, they've got a, a flexible, pretty deep bullpen there with Holland and Bob Revez, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Shaw. I mean, those are three real good options back there. Let them keep Tony Dick in the rotation. Um, they're, they're, <laughs> they're in good shape. Yeah, and, uh, you got to like the uh, track record of, uh, you know, Roger Williams. He's turned a lot of guys to be sidearm guys. When he was at North Carolina, they did it for a long time. There's a uh, quite a quite a long history of them, and of course, Derek DePriest is a longtime personal fave uh, guy who had 15 saves one year for them and almost pitched them to Omaha single-handedly, basically in 1998 at Miami in a regional down there. So, uh, and that Louisville team also, Aaron. I think the thing is the identity of that team. For a lot of people, because that the the 2007 team that got to Omaha was so offensive, uh, you know, they they it really it's like pitching and athleticism are really the the hallmarks of this team. As opposed to doesn't mean they can't mash, but they're a pretty athletic team. It sounds like they are actually pretty athletic. I I still think that they're more than anything they're a big physical mashing team. I still think that's their identity. I mean, you know, with the Phil Wonderlicks and the Stuart Iams and you know those kind of guys, Andrew Clark, those are just big. Mashers. I mean, Wonderlick's more athletic than he looks, and really all those guys are. Um, but uh, Ryan Wright is in short is an exceptional athlete. Josh Richmond, Adam Duvall, Drew Haynes, those guys are really good athletes. But they're just a, a good, balanced team. And, and I tell you, it's, it's February, I guess it's March now, but uh, uh, they sure look like an Omaha team at this, at this early stage. 
I'll, I'll give you a couple other highlights that stood out on the Twitter feed to me, uh, and you can follow us at uh, twitter.com backslash Baseball America. We're over 9,000 followers really in the, like the last – I mean, uh, we really made like two pushes at this basically, college baseball season, and then uh, you know last year at the, uh, at the signing deadline. There's the only two times we've really pushed Twitter, but it's a great way to follow, when, especially when Aaron's in, in person. And, of course, next weekend you'll be at the Houston College Classic, uh, the Astros College Classic. But Aaron, uh, Notre Dame sounded like they were pretty terrible this weekend, even though they pulled out a win on Sunday. Minnesota seems like a talented team, but not quite sharp this weekend. And UConn sounds like just a real sleeper ball club with talent all over the place, whether it's yeah. Michael Olt or George Stringer or uh, I know I don't know his first name. But I'm going to call him Pierre Lapage at second base. That is his name. It is his name. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. But uh, what? And, and Matt Barnes, of course, was probably the best arm I saw all weekend. I saw 13 games this weekend. Um, so I, I lost the fact that he was on UConn, but I, there it is. A 10 straight fastballs at 94 plus, uh, right here on the Twitter feed. So I mean, has UConn got a chance to be a sleeper this year? Are they good enough? It sounds like they're they were pretty up and down this weekend. I mean, they they, they were down in their first game against Northwestern because it was their first time outside this year. They didn't play last weekend, uh, and, and they dropped some some pop-ups, but really it was only just one inning. I mean, they had a one little bullpen meltdown. Other than that, uh, they were fine. And then they bounced back and, and beat Indiana pretty soundly on Saturday and, uh, and beat a, I mean, Minnesota, excuse me, and then beat Indiana on Sunday. So uh, I think they're I think they're good, and, and I was talking to some scouts about them, and they think they're good. You know, I, I think that they're a regional team this year. And, and it's, the thing is, it's going to be tough. The Big East this year, is, is, is they've got four teams, I think, that are they're really going to be battling for maybe three regional spots. Louisville's a lock. Um, and then, you know, St. John's was, to me, the, one of the big stories of this weekend also. Uh, they're good. I mean, they're, they're going to be a real factor. And, and South Florida's going to be there, too. So you've got four teams, um, you know, and, and they won't, won't be easy. But I think all four of those teams are, are very solid. And it's really unlikely for the Big East to get four bids. No, that won't happen. Uh, the Big Ten looking like a two-bid, three-bid. Uh, what are you thinking? I know it's early, but, I mean, uh, yeah. you got Michigan, obviously, with their best player out. That's not going to help anything. And you got uh, Minnesota not off to a great start. Uh, did those starts for those two teams affect their chances of winning at large, uh, you know, at large berth as opposed to having to win the conference? You know, I don't think so, only because in, in Minnesota, both those cases, they, they've got pretty good competition left. I mean, Minnesota's got the – Dairy Queen Classic next week. They've got uh, you know, Oklahoma State and, and Loyola Marymount, and they've got uh, a couple of games down at Alabama. You know, so they'll they'll have an opportunity to boost their RPI a little bit. And, and Michigan's going down to North Carolina this weekend. And, and I'll tell you what, wouldn't be surprised if Michigan steals that series because they can really pitch. I mean, they really can. I think their arms, uh, in general, will match up just as well in North Carolina's arms. How do they match up with Maine though? That's the big question because Maine, obviously, your boys. Uh... Pulled out the victory as you you didn't even pick them to win a game, but the two guys you wrote about went and beat North Carolina, which I think it's even more impressive when you consider the fact that that was the guy's first win of his career and the first career save for the other guy, which was pretty impressive. Well, I, I think I think the people who gave me the heads up on that one, but uh, uh, I'll tell you, you know, I'm just I, I just say that I think that North Carolina um, is still not scoring a lot of runs and. They're going to have a hard time scoring against Michigan's arms next week. And, you know, vice versa, Michigan hasn't scored a lot of runs either. It's going to be a low-scoring series. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan steal a game or two. And, of course, uh, one very good sign for North Carolina was Matt Harvey was apparently outstanding on Friday. Uh, sounds like his velocity was good. Sounds like his location was good. 
And uh, that's one thing we talked about that North Carolina really needed was for Matt Harvey to come through some this this uh, this season. And, and so far he has. Let's sign up the podcast, uh, Aaron. Let's take a quick question off our Facebook page. Uh, really, if you log in pretty much to Facebook every week around 11 o'clock a.m., that's generally when we're going to be recording the podcast, and you can uh, send us questions. And, of course, you can also always email us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Um, Nate Feria asks, uh, what does James Paxton leaving Kentucky mean for him, and what does it mean for the program? I think for him, Aaron, it means that he's going to, you know, uh, st- I guess he's staying in school, it sounds like, and then he's going to uh, – but even if he doesn't stay in school, the point is he's going to go to indie ball, like a lot of other people have done. And it's you're basically kind of treating it like a draft holdout used to be treated. He'll go to Fort Worth or he'll go to St. Paul in the Northern League or the American Association. And uh, he'll pitch and try to pitch his way into the first round of a weak draft class. And I, you know, it probably hurts his draft stock a little bit because he'll get fewer looks at him. And he's facing, uh, frankly, a little bit better competition than you see in the SEC. But uh I think people would rather see him every Friday in the SEC than see him uh, in Indy Ball, and he's going to get fewer looks in Indy Ball. So probably doesn't help his draft stock. What does it mean for the for the Wildcats and for the 2010 team? Uh, you know, that, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think on the whole, obviously it hurts them. Um, but they, they do have enough arms that, that they're going to be competitive. I think they're, I think they're going to be a regional team. I mean, they've pitched very well the last two weeks. Uh, that, that freshman Taylor Rogers, the left-hander from Colorado, yeah, he's good. Dynamite on Saturdays, two weeks in a row, and uh, you know they've got obviously a blue chip ace with Alex Meyer, though he hasn't really hit his stride yet this spring. Um, and Logan Darnell's got a good arm, so I mean it's not going to cripple them. Um, obviously, you'd rather have Paxton, and I know Kentucky's disappointed that that he didn't at least meet with the NCAA and try to appeal the thing if if he was uh, penalized, but. I have a feeling, and I don't know this for sure, but, um, you know, I have a feeling Paxton believes that, that Kentucky didn't really support him um, with, with this whole situation. And, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation. I don't blame Kentucky the way they handled it. Um, you can't put the rest of your team at risk um, and play a guy who hasn't, you know, who's got to settle, you know, in the eligibility questions. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's really unfortunate. I mean, once again, it's the NCAA. Um, Victimizing a kid unfairly, in my opinion. This rule is, is bogus. There's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other players out there who did the same thing, and they weren't punished. But but James Paxton was because of a media report, and that's not fair. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. I think you nailed it, Aaron. Uh, but I mean, the thing is, Kentucky's had a little bit of time to prepare for this, and let's face it, they came into this year not expecting to have James Paxton. You know, last June the guy was drafted. In the first 40 picks, they did not expect to get that guy back. So really, it's almost status quo uh, bef- uh, from before August 8th, 17th last year, you know. Yeah. So uh, there were a, a few fleeting weeks there where Kentucky probably thought they'd have James Paxson this year. And I think for most of their planning, they weren't gonna, they didn't expect to have him. So uh, they're going to war with the Army they have, not the Army they wish they had, to paraphrase uh, Donald Rumsfeld. So let's hope it works out better for Kentucky than it did for Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, that's enough politics on the Baseball American College podcast, and that's enough of the Baseball American College podcast. Aaron's got a plane to catch. I've got a podcast to edit. We appreciate the download. We appreciate people listening, and we want to remind you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, 
Get the season started right and visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. Until next week, for Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.